0: On the morning of August 5, 1982, farmworker Centurius Ruiz felt too fatigued to continue his job spraying herbicides on a large cotton ranch in Bryan. The ranch foreman gave aspirin. Several hours later, he brought Ruiz to the hospital. But by the time they reached the emergency room, Ruiz collapsed, incoherent, and unable to walk. Just 18 minutes after seeing a doctor, Ruiz was dead. Ruiz was spraying denitro-3, a highly toxic pesticide, when it started to leak from the canister. He was likely unaware of the dangers that were described only in small print English. The foreman did not know that aspirin could enhance denitro-3's toxicity. The physician was forced to waste valuable time calling the ranch and having the canister label read to him before he could initiate treatment. But even then, the pesticide label lacked treatment information for dino poisoning, None of these men were really at fault for the reactions. It was the misleading health information issued at all levels, from workers to doctors, that led to Ruiz's death. Health information on pesticides was buried at best and hidden at worst. Legally, no one had the right to know what pesticides could do. People's History in Texas proudly presents a series on pesticides in Texas called Doing the Right Thing. Today, we will be following the work of Ellen Whitus and the Texas Department of Agriculture as they developed The Right to Know, a vital piece of the pesticide story, a step forward in public understanding, and an overlooked but far-reaching part of Texas history. This is M.K. Obregon, and I'm happy that you've joined me today in collaboration with the People's History in Texas as we explore stories about people, places, and events in Texas history that have been forgotten but should be remembered. Ellen Whitus was a professor of environmental law at UC Berkeley in California when she got offered a job by Jim Hightower. As head of the pesticides program, Whitus was highly involved in getting the Right to Know program off the ground
1: we were asked to wake up at dawn, got driven out to a field in Salinas where I spent a good bit of my time as chief of pesticides following worker poisonings, you know, no field posting, complicated labor arrangements where you had an an absentee landowner who leased to a, you know, marketing company, who hired a pesticide applicator, who hired an irrigator. And then a farm labor contractor who brought in labor. I had just brought charges against one of them for poisoning a whole crew of farm workers, a matriarch, her father, her sister, who was pregnant in her third term, her children who were brought there illegally and their piecework contributed to the family income. And they laid down toxicity one pesticides No one really knew, there was no posting required at the time. The crew came in, was overcome, huge consequences. So I knew Salinas pretty well. So Tanya and I were there. This uh, EPA chief takes us to this field and is showing us, farm workers are showing up in their coats, sweatshirts, with bandanas over their face. That was their big protection against pesticides. The place smelled just, just obvious that it had just been sprayed. They were forced to be there right away. No re-entry time, no compliance. And you know, we kind of stayed back because we knew this guy, <laughs> the EPA guy, walks out to the field, picks himself a piece of cauliflower, and then eats it. You know, freshly sprayed cauliflower. And we all like, you know, we could not believe it. One of the biggest cases was, I don't remember the year, but it involved a crew of farm workers, including some children, harvesting vegetables in a field surrounded by cotton all around it. And on one very, very windy day, This crop duster came, applicator came a very windy day, and he started to lay down one of the most toxic pesticides, chlordymoform, on which we were very familiar with before I came to Texas. We had just fought the cotton growers in in California because chlordymoform is a known human carcinogen. This aerial applicator is just applying and the drift is going everywhere. It poisons the entire crew. And I had my inspectors go out immediately. I ended up bringing charges and the highest proposed penalty. I don't remember what that was at the time, but it was not enough. (laughs) And I also referred the case to the attorney general's office. First time ever, I think in Texas history. I think that the most important thing that we did during those years was the farm worker right to know law. And just a little context, it was something I dreamed about, but never thought could happen. When Rebecca Harrington came to me and Jim Harrington and said, you know, we're gonna sue the state of Texas for denial of equal protection of farm workers, for not including farm workers in the state's right to know law that they passed last year. And I said, I love it. (laughs) And I said, what are your chances? And they said, good. We're going to go before, I think his name was Judge Justice. And they had gone to him in the previous years, and they, you know, he ruled for farm workers on workers' comp and unemployment insurance on the same grounds of denial of equal protection. Mm-hmm. I said, Love it. So they geared up, armed, <laughs> armed. And I think that they didn't have to even go to court because the chemical boys knew they were doomed and that they would lose. So they came to me and said, okay, let's write a pesticide, a right to no law for farm workers, something appropriate. And in their minds, you know, watered down. You know, we all caucus, the advocates, TRLA, UFW, I don't remember if there was Sierra Club, maybe Common Cause, you know, all all the likely suspects. It wasn't it wasn't a big crowd, but we all caucused. We ended up with a just the slimmest skeleton of a bill cuz we didn't trust the Texas legislature one bit. You know, we didn't want to give put any meat on the bones. Mm -hmm. We just we just wanted them to know that there was a mandate to for Texas Department of Ag for the pesticide program to come up with a farm worker right to know program, a law and a program. And it was it was was literally like, you know, one page long saying there shall be. And uh, that was good enough because you didn't want them to mess with anything.
0: Right to Know passed in 1988, and in 1989, Sandra Tenorio took over as director of the program. There were still many problems to be worked out, and the Chemical Council fought on every issue.
2: And we were in the process of coming up with the regulations, because some of my first meetings as director, imagine this room was... Rebecca Harrington from the United Farm Workers, John Fisher from the Chemical Council, then we had somebody from the Farm Bureau, and then we had somebody from the Farmers Union, and then we had somebody from Legal Aid. Those are the five entities that were in the room to negotiate the regulations for the right to know law. And you talk about having five different perspectives and five different ideas about how to proceed and maybe how to proceed wasn't because you had two or three ideas that didn't want to proceed at all so (laughs) so you know there was absolutely the most contentious of processes because there were some people in that room that had completely opposite agendas and it took a long time to get those regulations done, but but they got done and they got published and it was great. I think the issues, once we got right to know off the ground, then it became, I can't say became easy, but it was a mandate. So producers were required to allow us to go in and train. So uh-huh. then it was a lot of training. It was getting from point A to point B. You know, we were able to finally get the regulations done. We finally get through the comments period. And then the next part that was very difficult to do was the crop sheets and Uh the crop sheets, which I, I think they're pretty unique to Texas and other states may do them now and other people may do that. You know, the sheet, there was a sheet for each chemical. And the sheet had pictures of the different vegetables or produce, whatever the produce was that was used, that that chemical was used on. And then it had kind of wait period. And all of that was basically articulated or presented in the form of almost a comic book type. It was illustrated and it was in English and Spanish. So one side was English and one side was Spanish, but you have people that can't read so it was intended for people to be able to look at it and get the message across and the big message for us was really everything's dangerous so please wait you have to post it you have to be aware of the signs and you have to wait before you go into the field and that was the biggest message that we got across and then the second message was what to do if you are exposed and how to recognize those symptoms and what to do about it. So it was good that we had crop sheets for every possible crop, you know, and what chemicals were used and what, but the message was, be aware of the postings, be aware of the signs, be aware of crop dusters, just be aware and then what to do if you're exposed. And and that was our our main message.
1: We ended up with something which was not only useful for the farm workers and their advocates but yeah. also for doctors treating them for environmental groups you know to know what was being used in the area and for frankly you know there were so many compared to california so many small farms it wasn't all big corporate ag it was many fam- you know family farmers whose own kids, family members, were applying pesticides. So the really, I, you know, when I, I remember talking to Hightower about it, that this was something actually that was for farmers themselves, mm-hmm. so that they could make better decisions about what they were doing. Instead of using the most deadly uh, toxicity one pesticide or, or a carcinogen in, instead of something that's acutely toxic, but not likely to affect reproduction, or genetic damage or cancer, you know, they could make those decisions.
0: Speaking in 1985 on the TDA's policies on pesticide education, Hightower clarified the goals which led to this process.
1: All along, my goal has been simply to find a proper balance between the farmer's necessity uh, to use pesticides in a timely manner and the obvious right of neighbors and workers to be forewarned and protected. I think that the process that we've been through in the last few weeks uh, has produced that balance.
0: The groundwork established by the TDA in the 80s is still vitally important to not just Texas, but the entirety of the United States.
1: Fast forward to 2019 when farm worker justice, earth justice, United Farm Workers, and a bunch of other advocates, migrant clinicians are desperately fighting Donald Trump's EPA who's trying to rescind the worker protection standards that we worked on for 30 years and that actually followed the Texas Right to Know law, and emboldened when, when when Trump won, you know, figuring they could roll back even the even the crappiest little gains we'd made. I mean, these worker protection standards were not as equal to OSHA's, but they were pretty damn good compared to the nothing we had. But in the course. Of Tom Udall became our champion from 2017 to 2019, just voraciously, tenaciously holding on and scheming with the with this really wonderful cadre of, of advocates, figuring out how to get the agrichem and agribiz industries and force them to back off. And in the midst of that whole fight, I mean, one of the provisions they wanted to get rid of was the farm workers right to have their doctors or any other advocate a lawyer priest worker center anybody union get access to their pesticide safety sheets to know what they were exposed to what the risks were and to be able to go you know go after the company and get proper medical treatment and diagnosis and the, and the, you know, industry was saying, we don't need it. We don't need it. And I said, well, you know, we fought like hell to have just that provision in 1986, 87, and then I thought, damn, I bet Rick Perry revoked this law. You know, I bet, I bet it's, I bet it's gone. And I was stunned that it was still on the books And I got this precise section of Texas's law, which dated back to Hightower's administration to that very, very, very hard fought law. And I said, you won't believe it, but Texas, deep red, has the exact language we're fighting for. And I say, if Texas could have this law, then, you know, everybody should. And Tom Udall said, I'll take that. And he went to the chemical industry and he said, see, Texas is living with it. And it hasn't ended agriculture in Texas. And if we hadn't fought for it, I am sure that in the, all the years since, you know, in Texas political history, we'd never see that again. And it was the constellation of labor, Melissa. It was like Rebecca Harrington a force of nature, and yeah, yeah. and the advocates, but it, you know, but it was all that constellation of progressives fighting against big odds.
0: The right to know was a landmark case in farm workers' rights, and the story of its creation has become relevant time and time again, as those rights and those stories face continuous opposition. Remembering past activists is an important part of understanding present actors, and the stories of people like Whitus, Tenorio, and Ruiz deserve to be remembered. Keep listening as we mine the archives. Next up is the story of Juanita Cox and the Farm Workers Union and the pressure they exerted on the Texas legislature to increase regulation on pesticides. Visit our website at www.peopleshistoryintexas.org, like our Facebook page, and subscribe to this podcast series. Thank you for listening.